Hi, my name is Joy, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, Touching Success. I'm also joined here today with two of my companions, Jojo and Sterling. They're my African gray parrots, and sometimes they like to contribute to conversations. So what is Touching Success going to be all about? What I'm hoping is that we can discuss and talk about special education from all of its angles, from the law to the different types of disabilities, the kinds of supports needed. Uh, I wanna approach it from how administration looks at it, how parents, how other children do, how special needs children do, specialists and teachers. If you are involved at all with special education, whether you work in special education or you have a student, a child who is in special education, or you're an administrator who oversees a school with programs on children who are on IEPs, then you know that special education can be kind of confusing and it's kind of hard to know where to start and where to stop. While I was earning my master's degree, I got a full semester of special education law and it was also integrated into every one of my special education classes. And this is going to be true for most special education teachers, but not so much aides, general ed teachers, not even always administration, unless they're special ed administration. As a parent of a student who is in special education, whether they were placed into special education as a student in elementary school or up, or maybe your child's been receiving special services since birth, you still may not know all of the nitty gritty details of what goes on in the background that helps your child get these services. It may be something that you might wanna look into on your own, but I'm hoping that I can cover some of that to at least get you started. Before 1975, students who had special needs were often shipped off to a school designed specifically for their disability, put into a classroom that's kind of close to what they have, but maybe not, and or just kind of left in the corner somewhere to fend for themselves. Occasionally, there would be a parent or two who would try to fight for their child to have more services and to get more time in education. But usually these are parents who had the time on their hands and other means to kind of fight for it. I know of one person, she's an adult now, she's a doctor, and she was born with CP. She was literally left in the corner of her classroom and not given anything to do and treated like she was also mentally delayed as well as having physical disability issues. She now has a family with children and she also is a doctor as well and so I think that the school was really overlooking her needs and I would hope that today that would not be possible. And she's just one student out of thousands of students that were not given the kind of educational chance that she should have been given from the beginning, from her earliest years after being born Luckily, in 1975, a bunch of people got together and realized that these situations were happening and something needed to be done. 
and they developed what they called then the Education for All Handicapped Children. And that started the process of special education the way we have it and know today. It's still not perfect, but what we have now is so, so much better than before 1975. And so I'm personally grateful that we've made so much progress and also keep hoping we can make even more progress. It's slow, but think about all the kids who've been able to attend schools and be in classrooms with kids that don't have the same kind of disabilities as they do. I think it's fantastic. There's been so much growth with these kids, yet sometimes a kid will get a better education if they're put into a classroom with kids who have similar disabilities and we're able to test and find these things out. And we will go into this much, much more in depth in the future. For now, I wanna just focus on uh, the special education law the way we have it today. Now, when you're dealing with special education law, you're going to hear the term IDEA, I-D-E-A, but basically what that all stands for is Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. IDEA controls everything about special education, why it happens, how it happens, how we are to treat each other regarding it, how do we treat the students we are working with, everything. If you want to know about special education, go look up IDEA 2004. You can find it on the website, but make sure you're looking at a good and valid website. Some are great and some provide a lot of false information. I'll cover a lot of that stuff here over time and so hopefully you'll be able to learn even more. Now we are on what we call the IDEA 2004 and that is in the year 2004 when it was redone. One of the things that IDEA controls is more letters for you. F-A-P-E or free and appropriate public education. And this is sort of the next tip of the iceberg for determining how children are treated and where they are placed inside of the school system. The important part about FAPE, the free and appropriate placement of the students is that we find a good place for them to go that they can learn and fit in. Sometimes, most of the time, we can get these kiddos into a classroom with mainstream students and they do okay. But sometimes we have some kids who do better off in a classroom that has other kids that are like them and then they get an education for that. Because the whole point of education for special needs is to be designed to meet their needs and prepare them for further education, employment, and independent living, and all of that with no cost to the family. School districts, they pick that up. And so we want to make sure that our students are getting the best possible that the district has to offer. Some people say that it's the maximum potential for the student. That's not the case. It's what the district can offer the child within their means. So it's very important to know what the district has to offer, but it's also important to know that the district doesn't have to put them in a situation, say another school district, 
that maximizes the kid's full potential. But they do have to make sure that the program that the child is in will meet them where they can get a better education in the future or get employment or learn how to live independently. And all of that is no cost to the family. And there's some caveats in there that we can deal with at another time. But the very important part is that it's unique to the student. It's not a rubber stamp of this child has a learning disability, therefore this child goes in this classroom and they will get these services. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not how it works. Um, it's everything's unique to that child. Unique services, unique support services. Do they need an aid? Do they not need an aid? just various things along those lines. And that's something really important to keep in mind when you're at an IEP meeting. Okay, so now let's say you're sitting inside the IEP meeting. You're going to have the school psychologist with you. You're going to have the teachers with you, a uh, principal or somebody from a district in a higher level with you. The primary case manager will be with you. Sometimes the kid will come in and, and talk with you which I think is fantastic. But what do you do? How do you do things? How do you participate on the same level these teachers are? Because sometimes they don't mean to, but they just kind of barrel over everything. We want to get out of here. I have more papers to grade and I have an IEP to write for tomorrow and lots of things on these teachers' plates. But you can't let them run off. You have to be polite about it, but there's questions you're going to want to ask. Um, I like the term appropriate ambition, which a court came up with that says that that's what districts need to shoot for. So you need to think about are your child's needs being considered in non-traditional ways as well as the traditional ways. So traditional would be your math, your science, your social studies, your English. Your non- traditional methods of education which are supported by the law is are their emotional needs being supported their linguistic needs their social behavioral needs their daily living skills and the courts have agreed that that is part of the education not just for special needs kids for all kids it's just with special needs kids sometimes they need more direct services to take care of that one of the things that um, a district might kick back on or somebody might kick back on is, no, 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 we don't do that. So if it's told only academic, that's all we take of, ask them, where in the uh, law, where in IDEA does it say that? It doesn't. It says, consider the strengths and concerns parents have for enhancing the education of their child. So just something to keep in mind when you're sitting there and they're like, you're only getting math and science and English goals coming at you that no, 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 you want more than that information. You want to know how are you addressing these other needs, the emotional, linguistic, social, behavioral, and daily living skills. Keep that in mind. Don't be rude about it. Just say, hey, what's going on? I want these areas addressed. And they should be with all kids really, but a special needs child, especially because sometimes those are areas that the kids just struggle a little bit more in. 
So let's say you get to this point where you're at the end of the IAP meeting, maybe you've gone three or four rounds at it. You do have the right as of 2004 to reject the special ed and related services. Of course, it means they might not get anything. So think about it carefully. Don't sign IEPs when you're there. Sign the part that says, yes, I was at the meeting. That'll be there. That'll be the first piece of paper that gets passed out most of the time. But when you're doing everything and you've gone over the notes that have been taken and then they go, oh, do you agree? And they give it to you. Please sign here. Please don't sign there. Take it home. Look it over. If you have questions, email the teacher. But from a special ed teacher's point of view, please get it back to them within a few days because uh, special ed reports and IEPs have to get in by a deadline or the district can suffer some consequences. Uh, so yeah, look it over, but try to get it back to the schools as soon as you're comfortable with it. And if you're not, then say you want to call another IEP meeting. Okay, now I want to sort of approach this from the special ed teacher's point of view, which I'm the most familiar with. Uh, I spend hours when I do IEPs. There's a lot of paperwork that's required. And there's also that you know your child the best and I want to work with you. But I also have had the education and years of experience to know that when I'm seeing a certain behavior or certain need, what the best approach to dealing with that is. And it's really helpful if you as a parent can work with me on those goals. If there's something you're concerned about, please let the special ed teacher know about ahead of time because then we can address that more fully with you on the phone or in person and get those goals, which I'll go into later, because that's a huge part of an IEP or IEP goals. And we can work together to try to come up with something that works best for you and for the child. And maybe you're not in full agreement with how the teacher wants to do things, but ask what the teacher's rationale is I like it when parents want to know why I want to teach something like that. And I don't mind discourse or I don't mind talking about it. But I do also appreciate support and uh, understanding that I do know uh, what I am doing with the student. And that I will see good results on the other side. Sometimes I have been accused from others that my IEP goals tend to be high. But I don't want low IEP goals because we shoot too low and then the child achieves it and then what? I like my kids to, my students to reach high and go for it. <clears throat> but again, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself and talking about IEP goals and that's not something I want to get into quite yet. Something else you're going to hear a lot about is we call more letters for you. L-R-E, or Least Restrictive Environment. This can get very complicated to understand, and maybe there's not quite enough time to cover this, but I can go over the basics. IDEA law requires that all children be put in what we call the least restrictive environment. And what that is is as close to a mainstream setting as we can get them, or into an environment that they can access their education the easiest. I think that gets a little confused. I think sometimes 
those of us in special ed, we jump on, oh, we can mainstream them right away with this. And then maybe that's not the best place to provide them with a least restricted access. I like to look at the visually impaired for this, as I am familiar with this particular population. A least restrictive environment, the least restrictive, is actually at a school designed for the blind because everything there is set up for the blind. Braille everywhere and all the different kinds of equipment and teachers are all trained and all the textbooks come in Braille or large print. And that tends to be least restrictive. However, we're then pulling them away from their peers. So we have to take that into consideration because their social adjustment is going to happen best with their non-disabled peers in a non-disabled classroom. I do like the way I've seen some schools do it where the children with visual impairments will go to one school in particular that's mainstream so they can be pulled out into a classroom for the blind and get their help with their work. They can get all the materials presented to them as needed and they go back to their other classrooms and spend the rest of their day with their friends that they make on a mainstream basis. It's only the kids in those situations that uh, move on to a school for the blind is when we've done absolutely everything, they hit third, fourth, fifth grade, and they're still really struggling in some of the basics. And my hope is always that if any kid gets moved into a specialized classroom or a specialized school, that we are able to bring them back as soon as possible. So least restrictive environment gets a little bit confused because people think it's always the environment that has mainstream, non-disabled children with typical academic work and what have you, and sometimes that isn't possible. I have worked with students who have had um, their delayed, so their textbooks had to be made simpler than what you would see in an average maybe social studies setting. So those kids actually do better off in a classroom that can provide them with the simpler textbooks and have themselves educated that way. So LRE is something that is always, it's, it's like always being debated over during meetings. Sometimes we debate it over beforehand, so then we can go to the parents and say, we recommend this, but these are your other choices. So something for you to keep in mind too. And sometimes some school districts, if you go to their special ed director, and you ask them, you wanna see more than one setting that's possible for your child, sometimes they are more than happy to take you to those settings and show you around and explain why they think this would work and why they would think that wouldn't work. So I would uh, think about doing that. If you're not sure, or the school district seems a little bit unsure, uh, it's not unusual for school districts to struggle a little bit because there's just a lot of choices now um, some schools specialize in some areas, like I was mentioning earlier, there was one school that I knew about that had a school, uh, program for the visually impaired. There was another school that had a program for the deaf, another one for kids who have severe learning disabilities. So there's a lot of choices and options. And I'm reaching my time now, and so I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye, and Jojo and Sterling are also saying their goodbyes and we will see you next time and we hope that you have a beautiful and wonderful day.